Well, I'm real excited about uh, this series that we started last week about laying hold of your healing. You know, so many people face sickness and disease, weakness, pain, all of these things. Um, the mortality rate, the, the rate of debilitating diseases is going out the roof. And, uh, you know, all of it, Satan's the author of all of it. So we want to talk about that. God's will is that you live life and walk out all of your days, that you don't go home early, but that you live your life in strength and in health. And so we're, we're talking about how to lay hold of your healing. So I want to continue on in that today. Go to Luke chapter 5, and we're just going to jump off here. Luke chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 15. Real interesting, talking about Jesus. It says in the word of God, it says, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to be healed by him of their infirmities. They just, they just were, were just flooding to Jesus to be healed. Does your Bible say that only? It says they came to hear him and be healed. Isn't that amazing? The sick, the, the diseased, the lame came to, first of all, hear him and be healed. That's an interesting thing. Luke chapter 6, in verse 17, it says this, And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him, and to be healed of their diseases. In other words, people, literally, the fame went abroad of him. They're, they're like, what did they hear? Did, did they just hear, hey, this guy is healing everyone? No, they heard this. You have to come and hear this man. You gotta come hear him. His words, I've never heard anything like this. They are full of life. You've got to come hear them, right? Do you know I run into a lot of people that say that, that people in our church, that's what they say to people. Man, you just got to come to ch this church and just hear this. Not just, not hear Tony. Who cares about Tony? Come hear the words of God, right? Because that's what we pro proclaim here. There's not, there's not any anointing on, a, on Tony's words. But God's words are full of anointing, and they change everything. It changes the environment, the atmosphere. So these people are like, hey, you got to come hear him and listen. If you have sickness, disease in your body, listen, everybody's getting healed, right? So the healing ministry of Jesus if we take, again, an aerial view of the word of God, now it says, in, like in these two verses, they, great multitudes came to hear and be healed. The Bible would say things like power would go out of Jesus, right? And would heal all their sick. I mean, there was, there was all this, but there was 19 individual cases of healing that were showcased in the four Gospels. 19 individual cases, not where it says multitudes. We're talking about the woman with the issue of blood. Last week, we showcased the woman who was bent over. She had a spirit of infirmity 18 years that was healed on the Sabbath day. 
individuals, Jairus's daughter, the nobleman's son, the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, right? All of these people that were healed, the leper, the blind Bartimaeus. I mean, there's 19 individual cases showcased in the four gospels. Many of them are in three of the four. So if you read all three accounts, you can see you're going up the same, diff same mountain with three different views and you really get a real strong picture of them. 19 individual cases. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan and he came to draw who the Father God, the invisible God, to draw him out of the shadows and show him. Jesus told Philip, listen, if, Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father, right? And we know this about God. In the Old Testament, he says, I am the Lord, I change not, right? I'm not a man that I should lie. I'm not the son of man that I should ever repent. That means to change my direction, right? In, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. When he was on the earth, what was he doing? He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. What is he doing through his body on the earth today? He is teaching, he is preaching, and he is healing, right? We are the body of Christ. He's the head. So if you're in an environment where there's not, the word's not being taught, not being proclaimed, and, and healing is not taking place, like if you're going to a church that says, well, you know, God's just not a healer today. Thank you. Bye. Right? You just saved me time. Don't have to come back here again. Man, I was really thinking that the church was nice and, man, you guys seem really nice and everything, but sorry, can't be here. Right? Teaching, preaching, and healing. So out of these 19 cases, you could look at this and go, this is the will of God for all men, for all time. You could definitely say that. Because, I mean, the Bible, John said this, if everything that Jesus did was written in books, the world's books couldn't contain it. And we're talking about three and a half years of ministry. The individual cases, all that. But the Holy Spirit saw fit, the head of the church saw fit, why? God the Father saw fit to tell 19 stories. Now, if God heals some and not others, you would think there would at least be one where Jesus would say, you know what, I understand you're not feeling well, you're sick, whatever, it's just not my will to heal you, right? Because I've got a greater plan for you, and you would think that, right? But there's not one. There's not one. There's nowhere in the Bible where anybody who came to Jesus in faith did not receive their healing, right? Now, we see that he was hindered from moving when there's unbelief. But out of these 19 cases, though, 11 of the 19 specifically say, I mean, it puts a finger on the person's faith as the determining factor. It literally, like the woman with the issue of blood, woman, your faith has made you whole. How clear can that be? 
right? 11 of those cases, Jesus actually said to the person, your faith made you whole. It was your faith, that's how, as you have, as you have believed, so be it unto you, right? Six, six of the cases don't specifically say your faith made you whole, but the whole story, you can see the person's faith. You can completely see that the determining factor on them receiving healing was their faith. So that's 17 out of 19. There were only two out of the 19 where Jesus healed a person and it was literally a gift of the Spirit. There's nine gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, right? There, and he operated in a working of miracle, gifts of healing. Two of the 19 had nothing to do with the person's faith. It was a gift of the Spirit. God healed them apart from their faith. Only two. So 19 out of 19 people got healed. 17 out of 19, their faith was the determining factor. So I would venture to say, you as a New Testament believer who've been redeemed from the curse of the law, which includes sickness and disease, your faith is going to be the determining factor. It's not a matter of what God can do, right? It's a matter of what you can believe, okay? So let's, let's keep going. The person's faith was the catalyst that triggered their healing. Read the Gospels. Don't take my word for it. Go on our app. We have, we literally, I did a series on all 19 of them. We really broke it down, right? It'll build faith into you. Why am I saying this? God's a healer. And you're living in an unredeemed world, and you have an unredeemed body that's subject to sickness and disease, and there's an enemy who has no power over you, but he's a master deceiver, and he'll take you out if you let him, because you have to let him, because he can't just take you out, right? For those of you sitting here, for those of you watching online, uh, what am I saying as a pastor? What am I saying without a doubt, a doubt, a doubt? It is always the will of God that a person be healed. In every case, I don't care if the doctor gives you five seconds to live, say Jesus, because I'm telling you, he is a healer. The Bible, we're going to go through scriptures where it says, man, a person just blew it, lived for themselves, forsook the Lord, and then as they, as they came close to the gates of death, they called upon the Lord, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He healed their bodies. It's never too late, right? So let's talk about this a little bit. And I know I preach this very strong. That makes some people mad. But I don't care because here's the deal. It's the word of God. We have got to rightly divide the word. You can't rightly divide that, well, you know, God's moving and you don't really understand. No, no. The Holy Spirit wants to bring understanding. God didn't die for some people's sins. He died for all of them. He's no respecter of persons. So in the ministry of Jesus, we see that unbelief hindered him. 
I mean, here's the creator of all things. Now he laid down his godly attributes, but the Bible says when the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized, remember that? The Spirit, he, the Bible says in the Gospel of John that he had the Spirit without measure. Jesus was a one-man healing revival, right? And he had, he had so much authority that he could even give that authority to 12 of his disciples and even 70 of his disciples. He gave them authority in his name to go and heal because God always has been and always will be a healer. He says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals you, right? But you have to learn how to lay hold of it, right? So we see that Jesus, who had the spirit without measure, he was hindered by people's unbelief. Turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 says this. You guys doing okay? I'm telling you, this will change your life. Right? I'm talking if your knee's not working right, you could, you, could, you could receive your healing and have your knee working right. Right? Doesn't matter what your condition is. God has already provided healing. We saw that in the redemptive chapter in Isaiah 53. He bore your sickness. He carried your pain so you don't have to. Mark 6, verse 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying... Look at this. They were astonished, and they said this. Now Jesus is preaching in his own hometown. And they said this. Look at this. From whence hath this man these things... Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now, had he done any mighty works there? No. So all these people who were in this meeting had heard of what he had done in other places. And so now Jesus is here, he is, in his hometown, in his home synagogue, and, and they're like, wow, we're, hey, we're, I'm astonished, that's Jesus. We think that we know so much. We actually think that, that people on this planet created rap music. You're going to hear the best rap music that you've ever heard in your life in heaven. Right? Oh, we, we just, we could be so narrow-minded. Pastor, what are you saying? You like rap music? Have you ever heard rap music with good lyrics? It's awesome. I'll be listening, and at first, I might not even understand what they're saying. We had a band come when I was helping a guy pastor a church in Iowa. It was a screamo band. Have you ever, have you ever, I mean, it's like, it sounds like somebody's demons are coming out of people. And, and these guys, do you remember that? Do you, were you there? I don't even know if you were there. Oh, my gosh. This concert, it was just, ah, you know, all this stuff. And you're sitting there listening to that going, that, there's an anointing. And, and we met the guys afterwards. And these guys, I mean, they all had Bibles. They carry them everywhere. They're like wore out. You know, just, and they're just like, this, God has called us. And they start telling us stories. We go into these bars. And we do a concert 
And we get tons of people saved. And, and, and then and they were very clear, and, and we stick together because we, we, we have heavy accountability because we can't be in that environment too long because we all came out of that environment. But we just kind of go in there, and God opens doors, and we, you know, and I'm like, that's just crazy. Because I'm sitting here going, I absolutely hate this style of music, and yet my spirit's going, that's life. Right? And then I hear some Christian worship songs. Sometimes my car freaks out, and it, it, it turns on the radio, and, and it's a Christian station. And my spirit starts doing backflips going, shut that nonsense off. Doubt and unbelief and woe is me and my life is so horrible, but then the Lord, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? No, no, I'm not gonna, it doesn't please him to sing doubt and unbelief. You're gonna see in the ministry of Jesus there was no excuse. He, there was no excuse for people not to believe him. Right? So let's look at this. Wow, how did I get off on that? Okay. They said this, and that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. So they're, they're, they knew of stuff he had done. And then verse 3, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon. So, and, and it says, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, a son of a carpenter, a carpenter's not without honor. No, he corrected them. Is not this the car, isn't, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Isn't this the guy who made my table or, or put my deck on my house? And Jesus gets up and goes, hey, you know what? A prophet, I'm not a carpenter, I'm a prophet, right? What was Jesus, was he all prideful? No, he's trying to help him. I know with my gift, when a person does not honor the office that I stand in, I can hardly talk about the word. I can, I, nothing ever moves in me even if I want it to right then I get around somebody who loves God and who honors honors the office that I stand in right and and it's like it just pours out of me right it's real interesting how that is God's big into honor now he doesn't want you to exalt yourself right and if you're sitting here, if you're watching online and you're thinking, man, you know what? Man, I just really like to be in the world. Pastor just said I could go to another rap concert. You carnal person, good luck with that. Right? Right? So let's go on. Is not this the carpenter? They were offended at him. But Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Wow. Wow. So Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit, the Spirit without measure, was hindered because of their attitude of dishonor. What, did, what do I mean by dishonor? You know what it means to dishonor somebody? To treat them as common. I grew up in Chicago, right? And us as little kids... You know, on the block, we're playing. 
and, and everybody's mother was called Ma. Hey, Ma. I said, hey, Ma, to my mom one time. And my mom grabbed me and said, I'm your mom. Don't ever call me Ma again. Never did. Right? Your wife is not your old lady. Right? Or your wife or your husband, don't treat them as common. Right? Jesus, when he was unable to do anything. So verse 5, and he could there do no mighty work. It didn't say it ticked him off and he would do there no mighty works. It didn't say he wouldn't. It said he couldn't. Right? Isn't that amazing? God never gets offended. When you walk in love, I've actually had people talk to me before and, and just when the person left, the person that's with me is going, did you hear what they said to you? Right? But when you walk in love, oh yeah, I heard it. Doesn't register. If I can get offended, that means I'm not loving God's word. Right? And everybody who's is offended right now goes, oh my, ouch, right? No, no, no. We we can walk free from offense. Dishonoring is treating somebody as common. Right? And he could there do no mighty work, save he laid hands on a few sick folk. This means, in the Greek language, it was sick people with very minor ailments. And he healed them. See, any time... Now, the, now, now, we're talking about healing, but these are principles of faith for everything. Anytime you govern your life by your senses, anytime you're perceiving in the natural, unbelief will always manifest. Always. If you look at your natural circumstances and focus on them, you will walk in unbelief. Right? See, this is the result... Anytime you say, show me, and then I will believe it. What is that? Why would a person say that? Because they're looking at natural circumstances, right? It is necessary to believe in the anointing to receive the results of the anointing, right? It is necessary to believe in the healing anointing to receive the benefits of the healing anointing, right? You got You receive. Pastor Dave, just what a segue into the sermon. It's all, it comes through faith, right? The anointing, okay, so, so let me say this again. It is necessary to believe in the anointing to receive the results of the anointing. The anointing is literally controlled by the receiver, not the minister. Right now, not just my hands are on fire, my whole body is on fire from the inside out. There is an anointing all over me, whether you could sense it or not. But what the anointing, and the Holy Spirit's here, so the anointing is here. But the anointing will be controlled by the receiver, not the minister. In other words, how much do you want to get out of tonight or any time? How much, how much do you want? 
Because the anointing's unlimited. And it, the anointing's not limited to the anointing on me. Man, whatever you need, the anointing will move in your life. Because there is one here. You can't see him. You can sense him. The Holy Spirit, he doesn't have the anointing. He is the anointing. Right? So verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus actually marveled. Why? He went to minister to them. So he was in faith. He was in faith. I'm going to believe that these people are going to be hungry and they're going to get everything that they can get. They've heard of me. I'm here. I'm here under the direction of the Holy Spirit. No doubt there was power. There was a healing anointing that he could sense all over him. He was ready to see a healing meeting break out. And he marveled. He's like, wow. They chose to look at me naturally. And it hindered me. Wow. So what did he do? He left. And he went about all their villages doing what? Teaching. Because how does faith come? It comes by hearing. So Jesus wasn't, he didn't, he didn't have to take a six-month sabbatical. Oh, I'm just so bummed out. You know, people in my hometown rejected me. Get over yourself, Jesus, right? No, God the Father never had to tell him to get over himself. He just said, okay, Lord, Father, what do you want me to do now? Yeah, go around all the villages teaching. Build people's faith, right? If you, you look at this story, it still took the faith of the individual to receive their healing. So healing today, People receive their healing through faith. People receive their healing as they gain understanding of what the Word of God says about healing. People receive healing today as they receive revelation knowledge, which comes by the Spirit of God, revelation knowledge of the Word of God in relation to healing. Right? Nothing's happening until you're in faith, and faith only comes by hearing God's word. And hearing God's word only happens when you come to it. Like, I, I came to church tonight. I talk to the Lord every, every time I'm preaching. I'm like, okay, Father, I have ears to hear. I'm hungry. I'm knocking. I'm seeking with all my heart. Speak to my heart. And while I minister and I'm receiving... Because And then I'll leave and I'll start meditating on scriptures all day long. Father, I thank you. Hebrews, man, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. All day I've been walking around going, Father, I thank you that my faith is giving substance to my healing. My faith is giving substance to what I'm believing you for. Right? So what happens is I meditate on the word of God. I put it in my heart. When I'm hearing it, I'm hearing it. I'm giving it my undivided attention. It's the number one thing in my life. Nothing is above it. And I'm hearing it with a willingness to do it. Right? Oh, don't talk to me about this, Pastor. I'm not willing to do that. Well, I'm not. Because I'm, I'm talking to the people who are hearing. Now, God will try to get it over to you, but if you're not willing to hear, he's not going to break down your door. He's not going to make you hear. 
He'll just keep wooing you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm so good, I love you, I love you, trying to get you to a point where you get to the point where you give it up. But when you put the word first place, see the goal, it's not just the listener of the word. You have to have the word of God opened on the inside of your spirit so light could come. There's a place in every faith battle where light comes and revelation knowledge comes of the word of God and that's where faith is at. That's where I start to lay hold of things. But see, you gotta honor him, right? So this is why the people in Jesus' earthly ministry came to hear him and be healed. They honored, they were like, hey, you gotta hear this. These are words of life. When, remember when uh, Jesus, he preached this sermon about eating his body, drinking his blood, right? He was talking about communion and, and everybody started leaving and even many of his disciples were leaving. Jesus didn't get stressed out. He turned around to his 12 disciples and goes, are you guys gonna leave too? And then what did Peter say? Lord, where would we go? You alone have words of life. People knew his words were full of life, right? So let's keep going with this. Well, let me say this. In Matthew 4, 4, you don't have to turn there, but when Jesus was being tempted, he said, listen, man, he quoted Deuteronomy. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, what food is to your physical body the word of God is to your spirit. It's spiritual food, right? This is so important that you see this. Everything originates with the word. He sent his word and healed people. So let's go over to Mark chapter nine. We're gonna start in verse 14. So there was a man that had a son that was uh, very much... His life was changed. He is called in scripture the lunatic's son. He had an evil spirit that would try to kill him, that was just messing with him and, and possessed this, young, this, this guy's son. And this son was healed and delivered. It's in three different accounts for you note takers. It's in Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21. We're gonna look at Mark's account it, it starts in Mark 17, or Mark 9, verse 17 through verse 27. And then it's in Luke chapter 9, verse 37 through 42. So let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It says, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and scribes questioning with them. So Jesus is coming with his, with his disciples, we learn from the story he was coming from the Mount of Transfiguration. He took Peter, James, and John with him, right? He's coming down the mountain, and he sees the other nine surrounded by scribes, and there's a great multitude of people, and they are asking him questions. They're kind of grilling him. So this is what this is talking about. And straightway, all the people, when they beheld him, so when people notice, hey, Jesus is coming, it says, we're greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him, and he asks the scribes, what are you questioning them about? So Luke chapter nine, Luke's account says this. 
He tells us that the, in verse 37, it says the day before, Jesus was transfigured on the mountain before Peter and James and John. So, I mean, they just, they just saw Jesus, what was on the inside of him, shine. It said his raiment shined brighter than the sun, right? You know, and they wanted to build temples, right, to Elijah, right? And, you know, Moses, all this stuff. I, why, why, what was God doing up there? What was Jesus doing up there? Well, I believe, now this is my opinion, it, it fits with scripture, but it's still, I would classify it as an opinion. God would always tell the prophet what he was about to do before he did it. And the prophet would go tell the people. So here's Jesus, the prophet, appearing to two other prophets from the Old Testament. Where were those guys? They were in Abraham's bosom. They were in paradise. So God the Father brought them up. Why? Jesus is like, hey, Mo, hey, E, I'm here. I'm on the earth. I'm about to come down and get all of them. Go tell the people. I'm about ready. It's time. I'm going to redeem them. And I'll be down in paradise soon. So that's why that happened. Right? And said God the Father had to straighten Peter, James, and John out. Probably Peter. Right? Hey, don't, don't worry about building temples here. Just listen to my son. Right? So now here's Jesus. Jesus, he spoke with Elijah, he spoke with Moses, no doubt that they went back down to paradise and said, guys, he's alive. He's actually at the end. He's, he's, at the, he's in his ministry now. He's going to be here in, you know, maybe two, three years, whatever, right? That's pretty exciting. So the scribes were questioning the nine disciples as to why they could not heal this man's son. They were questioning him, okay? So now, verse 17, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. Well, they're all dumb, but you know what he's talking about, right? Verse 18, and wheresoever, which would just be, and where he takes him, he tears him, he foams and gnashes at with his teeth, and pines away, and I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Okay? So let me read Matthew's account to you. This is Matthew 17, right? Verses 14 through 16. Let's, let's make this a little clearer. And when they were come to the, to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him. So now we see that the man didn't just come to him, he knelt down to him. So there was honor there. He knelt down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. And often, so now where it says it takes him and tears him, now we're getting a little more clarity. Often he falls into the fire and often into the water, and I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Again, Mark's account and now Matthew's account said that the man said they could not cure him. Luke, chapter 9, verse 38, Luke's account said this was this man's only son. Okay? All three accounts tell us that the man told Jesus, all three accounts, the man told Jesus that they 
could not cure his son or cast that demon out of him. Okay? Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Let me read this to you. Then he called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. So Jesus had given authority to his 12 disciples to cure all diseases and had authority over all devils. So, could they have cast that devil out? Yes. Okay? Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 says this, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits, right? To cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So it's obvious that they could have. So is it true that they did not cast out the unclean spirit or heal the boy? Is that true? Yes, they didn't, right? Is it true that the man said that they could not cure or cast that demon out? Yes, that is true. That man said that. Is it, is it true that they couldn't? No. We know the disciples' failure to get the boy healed and set free did not prove the will of God. We have a great example right here because what does everybody say about healing? Well, I mean, pastors will, will get angry. I know God doesn't heal everybody because I had a, a grandmother or I had an uncle or my dad or my brother who loved God with all of their heart and they died early of sickness and disease. So there's no way. Well, now wait a minute. We have a story in the Bible about nine of his disciples that were given authority by him to cast out all evil spirits and heal all manner of sickness and disease, and yet it didn't prove the will of God because they couldn't do it. You see that? The word stands on himself. God is a healer. And I want you to know tonight that you can hear the word of God and hear, and faith is there and you could lay hold of your healing. And nothing can stop it. To the Lord Jesus, there is no excuse for unbelief. He's never failed us. He's never forsaken us. See, unbelief will choke you from the blessing and we have an unprecedented, an unprecedented level of dishonor treating Jesus as common in the body of Christ. And that's why we're not seeing what we should be seeing. Because unbelief will choke you out from the blessing. Right? It's, can, can we preach this? Can we preach the word in church? It's life-giving. So let's jump back to Mark. Let me read verse 17 again. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I've brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And where, where, wheresoever he takes him, he tears him, he foams, he gnashes with his teeth, he pines away. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Verse 19. And he answered him. So he answers the man, O faithless generation. Wow. 
How long shall I be with you? How long do I have to suffer you? And then he says, bring the boy to me. The disciples failed because of their unbelief. We learn why, and, and we've written whole doctrines on this. You know, Jesus says, yeah, this kind does not come out but through prayer and fasting. And we think, oh man, that demon is so powerful that you've got to pray and fast to cast him out. No, if you read the story, why were they in unbelief? Because right before this event, they're walking and they're talking to each other. They're kind of got their chest out. You know, we're, we're Jesus' main guys. Who do you think is going to be greatest in the kingdom? Think it's going to be me? Think it's going to be you? In other words, they were filled with themselves, who they were, and that is a breeding ground. If you are concerned with yourself, it's a breeding ground for unbelief. Right? You got to get over yourself. You don't have to be concerned about yourself. The God of the universe is focused on you. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about things in your life that you have no idea. Right? He's taken care of everything in your whole life. It's, it's amazing. So, personal ambition and strife will hinder your faith no matter how much authority you have been given. Because you, child of God, and me included, we have been given all authority in the name of Jesus. When Jesus came out of the grave, he said, listen, now all authority has been given unto me. And now he said, now you go in my name. He, in other words, now you take all my authority and you go. We, although we have all authority, personal ambition and strife will still hinder your faith. Amen. Wow. See, Jesus knows this. And, and this is a big principle here. It takes faith to activate the power of God so that a person can receive their healing. It takes faith to activate the power of God so that you can receive your healing. Right? Unbelief hindered Jesus from administering the healing power of God in his own hometown. Even after coming out of glory, Jesus still put the responsibility on the person's faith. That's the word. Any way you want to mix it. You can't, you can't put it off, well, you know, I, I just don't understand. No, no, don't buy into all that nonsense. Get with the Lord and say, what am I missing? Am I, is there some dishonor in my life? Here's another thing. You want to honor God? You want to treat him as who he is? Then treat those around you, the people of this planet, with honor. Honor them. Only if they deserve it? No, 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 no. No, you could fog a mirror. I'm going to honor you. Because, you know, we, we got a coach right back here in the back row. They play like they practice, right, at Midland football team, Right? You'll play like you practice. So you walk, you go throughout your day, and you just kind of flippantly whatever. Guess what? It's going to be flipping on the field. But our field is a little different than a football field. Because if we don't yield all of our fruit in our season, guess what? People are in hell forever. So we got to get this right. 
So we got we to do, do the movements in the gym right so that we're ready, right? So what does that mean in your personal life? You get this right. You honor God in your personal life, right? My honor for God is revealed in how I honor other people. It's revealed in how I honor my wife, how I honor my daughter, right? How I honor my grandkids, how I honor the people that I come in contact with, my church family, the, peop the people that, that don't even, they don't even like me, right? I still honor them, right? You go to a restaurant, your food's late, it's all wrong, the server leaves you alone, still getting a great tip from me. Why? Well, because I surely don't want to get what I deserve. I, wanna, I want mercy, right? So this is, this is very important. So, Unbelief hindered Jesus. Wow. You got to know this. Faith will bring you out. And faith comes by hearing God's word. And faith will bring you out of anything. So now verse 20, Mark chapter 9, verse 20. And they brought him, the son, the man's son, unto him, Jesus. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit, we've learned later, it's called the foul spirit, tore him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. Now think about this. So they bring the son, and immediately, this is what Satan does. Man, this demon rares up and is throwing this kid. He's foaming at the mouth. He's, he's manifesting all this stuff. People are probably like, whoa, not Jesus. Look at what Jesus did. And he asked his father, so how long is it ago since this came unto him? Jesus was not moved at all by what the enemy was doing. In the same way, when you minister to somebody, don't be moved by what the enemy's doing. He's a, he's a non-issue. You have all authority, he has no authority. If you have sickness in your body, listen, don't give him place. Don't ever sit here and go, oh, well, maybe my thing's getting worse. No. No, 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 no. No, I'm just, I'm just going to keep my eyes on Jesus. He's keeping his eye on the ball. How long has it been since he came to him? And the dad said, of a child. And oftentimes it casts him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. You can... I want you to see this phrase and help us. What, look at this. Jesus asked them the question, how long has this demon been here? And he answered of a child. He answered Jesus' question. But then what did he do? Because here's this, he's seeing his only son wallowing around. And so he starts telling it. He starts going beyond what Jesus asked him to say. He started talking to him. You know, it throws him in the fire. It throws him in waters. It tries to destroy him. And the more, the more he talks about his circumstances, right? The more he speaks of the difficulty of his circumstances, he falls, this father falls into a state of discouragement and he cries out to Jesus, have mercy on my son, Please help. This is exactly. You gotta stop speaking 
the circumstances because it'll do the same thing with you. It'll cause you to go into discouragement. And if you stay there long enough, it'll go from discouragement to despair. What's the difference? When a person gets discouraged, that's one level, but if they still believe it could change in the future, they, they could come out. But if they, if they keep moving into despair, now despair is when I look to my future, I never see it getting better. And that's where the spirit of suicide is at. That's where, I mean, so much of this demonic stuff is at. When you talk your circumstances, it will start to move you into discouragement. So don't do it. See, in other words, the man actually heard of Jesus and had enough faith to bring his son to get healed. But then the disciples, who no doubt maybe what, whatever they were doing, they couldn't deliver, so now he has a negative. Then Jesus comes and he starts talking, the father starts talking about the circumstances and he gets so discouraged. Now, he, what does he do? He's throwing all the responsibility on Jesus. If you can help us, please have mercy on us. Please, I beg you. He's putting all the responsibility on Jesus. That's what we do. Right? Hey, you know what? If God wanted me healed, I'd be healed. Right? I've heard that before. We don't hear it around here because we teach the word. Right? Around here, though, people will silently, within their own life, just go, you know, this is just not working out, and I've been believing God for a while. And when in reality, what it is, no, I've been talking my circumstances, so I'm discouraged. Right? But there's a place you could walk free from discouragement, but you're going to have to speak the word. Right? The father put all the responsibility on Jesus. He's not in faith right here. Right? Realize this, guys. As a believer, if you don't have faith in God's word, that means you don't have faith in God. So that's why we... But how do you get faith? You keep hearing and hearing and speaking and hearing and speaking and hearing and speaking. Verse 23. Jesus... So he throws the ball over to Jesus. Right? They're playing tennis. He hits the ball over... And now Jesus hits the ball back. Jesus said to him, Dad, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Do you know how many Christians are crying out to God? God, please, please move the mountain. And God's going, if you'll speak to it in faith, I'll move it. But I can't move it unless you, right? So it's not about God's compassion anymore. It's about the necessity of faith being exercised for the healing power of God to work. Listen, don't just pray for somebody for healing if they're not in, if they're not in faith or they're not ready for that. Be led. Now, maybe sometimes you might because there might be a gift of healing. But, but this is how you minister. Jesus was literally, I mean, like he's doing in all these cases, he's moving this man, he's trying to get this man in faith. He says, listen, sir, if you, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He's saying your faith 
is the determining factor in this deal. You cannot leave up to God what he has left up to you. It's not a matter of what God can do. It's a matter of what you can believe. We cannot make his responsibility what he's made our responsibility. Can we teach on faith? Right? Man, this is life-changing. Your faith is the determining factor in your healing. It's the determining factor in you laying hold of all the blessings of God. We do not receive from God according to what we need, according to what we want. What? What are you saying, Pastor? We don't receive from God based on what is right, what is fair, what is... We don't even receive from God based on what is his will. We receive from God based on our faith in his will. Listen, that thing that might be in your body or in your life right now that was not fair. Why do I have cancer? Why do I have this or whatever, right? Forget all that. Because that's not going to help you. It's not a matter of what's fair. And the God of heaven, he is, why is he not moved by your need today? The reason why is because he already was moved by your need. And it was 2,000 years ago, he's so good, he took care of every need you would ever have, and now he's moved by faith. He has made a way for you as a Gentile to receive healing from God because you're his child. Jesus bore it so you don't have to. But you're going to have to believe that because we can only, you couldn't even get saved without faith. You had to believe what he said right? How did Jesus become your Lord? You had to confess him as Lord for him to be your Lord, right? Hallelujah. Let me go just a little bit longer. Verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out, check this guy out, right after he hears, dad, if you can believe, all things are possible. Could you imagine hearing those words from the master? Do you realize you can hear those words from the master? In the quietness of your bed, laying there, and your body's hurting tonight, whatever it is, and you're thinking, I hate my life, this sucks, all this stuff's going on, you can hear down in the, in the depths of your spirit, Tony, if you can believe, everything's possible to him who believes. Jesus spoke that right to that man and look at what he did. You can see he responded right away without thinking in his mind. He responded from his heart and what did he say? He cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help me, help, help thou mine unbelief. The man is saying, Jesus I am choosing to believe. And this gave Jesus an opening for the healing power of God to move. When you make a choice to believe, it will come out of your mouth. This stuff, you know, you know, I'm just being real. I've been praying. I've been believing God. I'm in faith, but it's just not working. You're not. Because faith doesn't say that. When you're in faith, you'll say it. 
Jesus said at one point, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you would say. We having the same spirit of faith, right? We believe and therefore we spoke. I believe and therefore I speak. I think I said that backwards, but you get the meaning, right? You believe in your heart, you'll speak out of the abundance of your heart. Matthew 12, 34, right? Your mouth will speak. See, when you make a choice to believe, it always comes out of your mouth. Wow. What you truly believe will come out of your mouth, not what you are trying to believe. This man was not fully persuaded. This was not some high degree of faith showing us that faith will work in your heart while you might have some doubts in your head. Because, man, I'm telling you, Satan will throw a thought of doubt. All of a sudden, you're going throughout your day, and the pain will hit that area of your body. Or, or you'll, get a, you'll, get, you'll do blood work, and, the, and the, numbers are, the numbers are bad. And all of a sudden, you'll get this thought in your mind, wow, maybe this thing's just not working. And Satan will jump on you as a faith person and go, oh, see, yeah, you're not in faith. Don't believe him. No, you just take the thought captive. And you say, no, no, Lord. Right? Sometimes you even, you just sit there and you're like, okay. And you just, have you ever just lost it? Right? And you spoke some stuff. When you're full of the word, you'll start saying some junk and immediately you'll go, whoa, time out. I do that with God. I'm like, Father, I don't believe that. I don't believe what I just say. I take those words captive. Your word tells me in Isaiah 54, I could condemn words. So I condemn those words. I command them to die. I believe it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Right? Faith will work in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your head. In other words, when you as ministers of the gospel, you have to get people to respond from their heart. Right? But now, here's the deal, and I've got to tell you before we, before we leave tonight. This story about this man, don't you as a believer feel that you could be here? This man was not born again. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit in him. He doesn't have the Word of God with him. A believer should never have to say that. This man, he was just being honest with Jesus right where he was, and it opened the door for Jesus to move. With you and I, we know better. This is just, literally, guys, for us, it's just a matter of putting our flesh under and taking thoughts captive. Because as I'm looking at all of you, you guys believe the word. And you know, all of you know a thousand times more than the woman with the issue of blood. You know a thousand times more than a person who was full of leprosy who got immediately healed. You know more. I mean, do you, can you imagine? Blind Bartimaeus. This guy has a coat from, from the government that shows that he's a professional beggar. He can't make money on his own. When people would see the coat, they'd give it to him. When Jesus called him, he's crying out, Jesus is coming by. Son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and, and they're like his disciples, you know, they're kind of missing God once again. They're going, hey, shut up, right? He, he's screaming louder. And then, then all of a sudden, Jesus goes, hey, bring this guy to me. Blind Bartimaeus could have got up and be led to Jesus with the coat on, but he didn't. 
he literally took his coat off. He had so much faith. His livelihood was that coat. If you didn't have that coat and you were begging, people aren't giving you money or not as much. And he laid the coat down because he had enough faith to know my days of being blind are over. And he didn't have anything like what you have. Why am I saying this? Guys, you and I are made to believe God. Every fiber of who we are cries out, Abba, Father, I know you're my healer. I know all this stuff is true. I come to church, I hear this over and over and over. Yes. Well, it's time that we walk free, right? This is so good. So when Jesus, so, so he's interacting now. Now we're in verse 25. When Jesus saw the people came running together. So he's talking to the dad. The son's freaking out, right? The, right? And so now, now the people start running over because they know, they know things are about to happen. And Jesus is looking at all these people running to the Father, right? All these people running to the Father right now, and he's like, okay, I got to take care of this now because there's going to be about to be a breakout of unbelief. I don't want words spoken that's going to kind of mess with this guy, right? So when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto the foul spirit, you dumb and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter no more into him. The spirit cried. Realize that. Man, when you, when you cast out a spirit, they're little crybabies. The spirit cried. He cried. Little baby tears, right? Okay, I guess I got to go. He cried and rent him sore, came out of him, and the son was as one dead. Insomuch that many people said, wow, he's, he died, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Jesus ministered to this boy before the crowd with any unbelief could gather around the Father. Wow. I, I love this story. It is such a wonderful story of God's love for people, how to minister to people. I want to close with Psalm 119 because we talked about light has to come. So I want you guys to have this. In Psalm 119, it says in verse 130, the entrance or the, that word entrance in the Hebrew literally means the opening of God's word brings light. Okay? It gives light. And it gives understanding. This word understanding means it gives discernment and perception to the simple. So when God opens up his word, it will give you, light will come and you'll begin to discern and perceive things as they really are. The sickness has to go. The poverty and lack has to leave. Right? My children are going to be whole and at peace. Right? What the word of God says about my life is what it's going to be. See, revelation knowledge of God's word, which is the light, it changes our thinking and it inspires us to believe. Revelation. See, God's word enters your heart as you speak it. 
as soon as light comes, something happens. There's a place in every faith battle where light comes and then you speak out of your heart. This is how, this, this is how you lay hold. See, a lot of Christians go to a church like this and hear the word over and over and over again, and they think they know it, but they haven't meditated on it, so it's not open. It's just in their mind. They could quote it, but man, I'm telling you, when light comes and you speak, oh, that's a whole different thing. That will turn you on from the inside out, right? Every fiber of your spirit. Sometimes it may take months for light to come. That's why you got to meditate in the word. Why, why does it take more time for some people to lay hold than other people? Sometimes it just takes time for light to come. Don't, don't worry about that. Right? Light will come. The light being on is what causes you to act. It's what causes you to be a doer of the word. Wow. You need to realize, guys, it's just as easy to get healed today as it was in Jesus' ministry. So I hope this has helped you a little bit.